All right, here we go. Going live. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think we finally got the hiccup out, and I believe we are live. So welcome to the second episode of Secret of Saturn. All those daily to-dos take up so much time. What is that? Answers. I'm hearing craziness. There was an ad at the beginning of the live stream. Good grief! Oh, the fun (laughs) of doing live stuff. (laughs) All right, so let's try this again. Welcome everybody to the second episode of Secrets of Saturn Live, the live stream that we're going to do every week. And I have with me Wayne McCroy and Crow Triple Seven is joining us for the night. Tonight we're going to discuss propaganda and paranoia, and to give everybody the little bit of detailed background on why I chose that, somebody put a kind of rude comment on the first live stream we did last week, and I deleted it because I just didn't feel it was appropriate to be there, but accusing us of being paranoid because uh, the things we're talking about in these films and in media and all that, and uh, well, that's poppycock. Uh, it, it is manipulation. We're not being paranoid. And uh, he also said, just let people enjoy their stuff. Well, that's fine. If you want people to enjoy their stuff, they can enjoy their stuff. But you came to our channel on our live stream and you're spouting off. So I got rid of that. Wasn't necessary. But anyway, gentlemen, welcome. And I would like to start this discussion off with a quote from Edward Bernays from his 1928 book, Propaganda. And and keep in mind that this was written in 1928. And I have a couple of quotes I pulled out of that book. And it's, uh, it's one hell of a thing that this was being thought about all the way back then. So here we go. The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds are molded, our tastes formed, our ideas suggested, largely by men we have never heard of. This is a logical result of the way in which our democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together as a smoothly functioning society. Our invisible governors are, in many cases, unaware of the identity of their fellow members in the inner cabinet. They govern us by their qualities of natural leadership, their ability to supply needed ideas, and by their key position in the social structure. Whatever attitude one chooses to take toward this condition, it remains a fact that in almost every act of our daily lives, whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or our ethical thinking, we are dominated by the relatively small number of persons a trifling fraction of our 120 million who understand the mental processes and social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires which control the public mind, who harness old social forces, and contrive new ways to bind and guide the world. And that's the same quote I opened up my Dallas presentation with because, good grief, how about we take a moment just to discuss that, gentlemen? Who wants to go first? Now, that was a mouthful, Jason. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Bernays really knew what he was talking about. He was one of the pioneers of developing this science that is propaganda. Uh, and just to add a little bit to the earlier part of the conversation when you first opened up here, uh, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. <laughs> so, 
know. <laughs> we, we could always use that argument. <laughs> well, I, I think you should point out that um, if I remember back to the ones we did on Bernays, he's the double nephew of the Frude dude, isn't he? The Frude dude, yes. Yes, he is. He is uh, on both sides, his mo- mother's and his father's, yep. So maybe you should explain uh, what a double nephew is so people understand. So when you go back to Freud, you're going back to mind sciences, you know, supposedly the guy who helped break addictions, and that will lead straight back to uh, to Jung and uh, and that crowd. So this is all about the mind. That it is. 100% about the mind. 100%. Oh, by the way, I, I did turn on this thing that I was suggested to try called Super Chats, and apparently people can make small donations and the thing pops up in my face here or something like that. Uh, not that I'm asking anybody to do that, but I turned it on on YouTube suggestion with a fun little video that they had me watch. So uh, if anybody wants to do that, I'm assuming it's there. If not, uh, it's just another technical difficulty that I don't know how to deal with. Yet, anyway, I'm figuring that out. Uh, by the way, if anyone could tell me how the audio is sounding this week, I did play around with the settings a lot, and I think I got everything balanced better this week, but if not, please let me know. Yeah, I hope so, uh, because a lot of people were saying last week I was coming off as overly loud, and you were kind of faded, so... Let me turn we'll your channel up if uh, if you're low this time. Joe Roop just said we're sounding good, but you're low, so... I am going to crank up the channel that you and Crow are on a little bit. And if everybody can just give me give me the thumbs up or down, I'll just play around with the lever here. But there, I cranked you up a good couple notches. So anyway, this is this is fun with the, with the live thing. because uh, the, There's no Jason sitting around with his uh, editor and making everything sound 100% perfect like I usually do. Well, you know, Jason, based on that thing you just read, um, you could almost draw a one-to-one allegory for why we're seeing the censorship now because everything you just said requires messaging um, of one sort or another whether it's marketing or programs or film Um, and what we see now is the censorship is so bizarre Um, it, it you know I just who was it that posted the Bacardi thing the other day apparently Bacardi got blocked on Twitter um, I'm told Bacardi is a, is that a Cuban family, but on their response to being blocked from Twitter, they said the following. Um, so an alcohol production company or whatever they call themselves is blocked, but porn flows freely on Twitter. For those in the know, it is no secret why this is the case. And this is exactly what we're talking about here. How is it that we can face censorship? on all the things we see right now, but porn is flowing freely. Um, And it's a tell because they're trying to weaken everybody and start addictions and um, do all these types of things. But I think you can allegorize exactly what you wrote to the censorship we see, which is mostly concerned with not interfering with the messaging that the people are uh, being targeted with. Oh, by the way, before I forget, we are also going live on the Fringe FM with our friend Joe Roop's network, which is awesome. And apparently we're going for the full two hours tonight. So our entire stream is going to be played on the Fringe FM right now live. So hello to everyone who is tuning in there at the Fringe. And Joe, we love you. Thanks, man. We love it. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Appreciate all the support you've given us on this. Uh, Hello, Fringe FM. Good to have you folks on board here, too. 
So, I, I just made bumpers for the fringe today. Well, I made a bumper for you, the fringe. You did, today. and I'm going to do that later tonight. I made one, another one just to uh, give them plenty to work with us. Uh, well, promoting the show two. is always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I made two, but I lost one, so I can make another. Yeah, no worries there. All right, so I'm trying to figure out how to get the question, uh, what do you call it, the chat room, up without blocking everything off. So let me see so I can read this at the same time. All right, let's try that. All right, so anyway, I think that'll that'll work. I can read everything and talk to you guys at the same time. So anyway, um, where do you want to start here, Wayne? Uh, you sent me a whole pile of PDFs that obviously I couldn't read because I'm not Crow 777 can't read six books in one day. <laughs> That's a skill it's, that most of us are kind of lacking, actually. Well, you got to learn Braille. Read yeah. <laughs> you, just, you, you read one book with each eye, and you can do Braille with both hands. It leaves your feet free to do whatever. That's great. Yeah, and then you can comprehend everything at once. That's you know, <laughs> that, that's a real gift. I'll tell you, I I do some heavy duty reading too, but I can't I can't plow through books like Crow does, man. So. And it's you actually know, the result of the 70s. I came off a really bad acid high one time, and I learned <laughs> to read like that. <laughs> All the right. Little known facts you'll find out only here, folks, on yeah. live stream. So. <laughs> the previous statement was not true. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 of course. All right, so anyway, uh, as I was saying, when when I saw that quote or the message from the guy that I deleted – this stuff is going on. There's just no doubt about it. And um, we, of course, were talking about uh, the Marvel superhero movies last week, and we had brought up about um, Star Wars, Doctor Who, Star Trek, all of these, all the big intellectual properties, the ones that always made a whole lot of money. They're all infected with just massive amount of programming these days. And I do agree that it was always there, at least to some small degree. Uh, that's something that Crow and I have actually broken down quite a few times. Uh, but <sighs> bad news is good news. Exactly. Um, anybody who can't see that, it, it kind of bothers me that you would think that we're just being paranoid and pointing these things out. I mean, just the amount of symbolism alone, well, people don't we, put those things there. We we could give, look, it, it's always been there and it seems like it used to be less, but really it wasn't less. It's just that society was more sane and they couldn't get away with the same things. So take Thor Ragnarok. All right. Um, and, and well, I, I won't tell that story. And Thor Ragnarok, at one point, the hammer, which is a phallus symbol, is grabbed by a lady and crushed. Um, he's emasculated. And then after he's emasculated, um, he's not tough Thor anymore. He's begging people not to cut his hair and being called the Lord of Thunder instead of the God. So there's where we are now. But if we back up, even to something as banal as Gilligan's Island, the same thing is going on. It's just a different time, and there's a different requirement in the programming. In Gilligan's Island, um, if a decision needs to be made, it's the skipper, right? He's the skipper. You go to the skipper to make decisions. Anything science or anything technical, the professor has to deal with that. Mr. Howell, he doesn't have to do a damn thing. He does, does whatever he's want because he's rich. <laughs> and what do the girls do? The girls got to make the coconut cakes and look good in dresses and shorts. So that's the programming of the time. I could go through any genre of television all the way back to Ozzy and Harriet and show the program. And what it's doing is people learn by examples. <laughs> and so those are the examples that are, you're, in, you know, you're being exposed to regularly. Um, and that's how it works. That's absolutely how it works. 
Well, I wanted to say thank you right. to Adam for putting uh, the first super chat up. Adam, if you have a question for any of us or all of us, let me know, man. I'd love to uh, love to answer you. Thank you for the dollar ninety nine. That's cool. I didn't know you could do that. I'm still figuring it out. I when I got all this set up, I started getting. Uh, bombarded with uh, stuff from YouTube. Do this, do that. So I thought I'd just turn on the settings they suggested. So this is the first thing I, I tried, and apparently it's working. So thank you, Adam. That's really cool of you. I should let people know I'm not logged in because I don't want Jason to get censored and Wayne what they're doing. And if I log in, it draws a direct line to what they're doing. So that's why I'm not in the chat. Oh, by the way, you want to take a moment and tell people yeah. what exactly that does and why? Um, well, anytime you're logged in anywhere, your data is being collected and it's put together back in a dossier about you or can be upon request. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine who's in the know showed me my dossier um, two days ago. And uh, what I can tell you beyond certainty is that the data collection that we now live under started the same year 9-11 happened. Um, they cannot see the job I was at in 2000. They can see everything I've done since 2001 forward. Um, so whenever you're logged in or in a thing, um, you're, you're creating a record of what you're doing. But what's worse is someone who's been censored a lot, like myself, um, unfortunately, I did things like I linked to Hoaxbuster and I commented on Hoaxbuster's channel. Well, it wasn't long before he got taken out a couple times and I began to piece this together, got back with my hacker friends and realized so these days you'll notice I never comment anywhere. It's just because I don't want to cause trouble for people. Um, I've been censored so much if I link to you or, or comment then you're on the radar if I'm on the radar, that kind of an idea. Right. Uh, Chad in the chat room says, why don't we have more quality alternative entertainment to try and share like movies and music? I think we've analyzed the psychos enough we need to create and create our own culture now. I completely agree with that. However, music is not so difficult, but you want to talk about producing television and films? Just doing Shoot the Moon, I can tell you how much effort goes into it. It's not easy to produce video content that's even remotely comparable to anything that uh, the, the major medias would put out. And that's not saying that people wouldn't be cool if it wasn't a $300, $300 million movie, you know? But, I, yeah, it, it takes a lot of effort. And it's something I'd love to do. Uh, it's kind of like what Gaia TV started off doing. And um, it takes a lot of effort to do video. Music is not as difficult, especially if you know how to do all the stuff yourself. But the one thing people really don't get a lot of times, and, not, and I'm certainly not saying everybody, but there's always this, this noisy minority that says everything should be free. And while I normally love that concept, it just it doesn't cost nothing like the, the insane amount of money that goes into doing producing any kind of media if you want it to be quality sure if you just want to turn on a live stream talk into your iPhone and put it out I could see that being free but when you're talking about something along the lines of shoot the moon that took me months to do and that was a very simple production man that's that's a very entirely well, different thing don't forget too you got terabytes of video to work with it took me about a half a decade of my life to get so we already had stock to work with too right um there's that and i would point out um yeah it gets old talking about these things but in the same way gilligan's island was followed by another show and they kept hammering the program home to the masses if we people like us don't let people know how the magic, what the magician is doing that's fooling you, then we live with the 80-20 rule where 20% or less of us understand and what the magician is doing continues to work. 
Um, that's part of the problem too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Glowbusters just sent us $5. I'm assuming that's Bob. Thank you so very much. His comment is, you and Crow are still my favorite podcast, Jason. Thank you guys for all you do. You are absolutely welcome, and we will keep doing that week after week. And uh, this week we have Dave Marsh, and next week we're doing the Box Saga, which is really going to be interesting. Um, By the way, Crow, if you want to take a moment to explain what that's about, that's kind of a little bit different than anything we've done before. Actually, um, I see a question about Owen Benjamin. Uh, no, we haven't set the date. Uh, he did invite me on, I think, while we were on the air the other night. And I would like to do that. I'd actually like to do it before the box saga. Um, the box saga is a cold slap across the face with a sock full of ice um, for a lot of people. That's what the box saga is going to be. Um, there are many reasons. I commiserated whether to cover it for quite some time. I bought the only book that's available currently. I watched, I don't know how many hours of video, um, and I commiserated on whether I should cover it. Um, So everybody knows Bach means goat, and my final ideas that led me to say, okay, I'll take the risk and I'll cover this, because I think a lot of people are going to be blown out of their socks, and I'm not even covering the, the, the gnarliest parts of the Bach saga, um, is what happened with George Bush and my pet goat, um, was one of the corollaries I made. Uh, another thing is in the intro of 191, I include a very old Eastern parable about a priest and a goat, and that went through Vedic times all the way up into Buddhist times and then beyond Buddhist times. So that's been around for a heck of a long time. And everywhere I looked, I've been I've realized that everything we know about goats is negative. Look at the Rolling Stones, Goat's Head Soup. Well, that's satanic. Um, When you come to understand what this age of civil lies is, you understand everything up is down. Black is white, you know. And when you understand that, you begin to question, what's wrong with goats? Why does everyone put goats down? Um, And that's what I looked at when I decided to cover this. And people are probably wondering what the hell does goats have to do with anything. (laughs) But um, you're you're just going to have to tune in. And by the way, I would love to go on Owen Benjamin's new digs over there before episode 191. And by the way, Owen raises goats. And as we talked the other night, I know he knew a few things that I was mentioning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was totally on it. And I'll get to that one moment. L.C. King, thank you so much for the 799. Man, I'm a little blown away. I didn't think anybody would really give a crap that I turned that setting on. But thanks so much for already giving a couple bucks here and there. That's wonderful. Uh, If you have a question or comment, let me know. I'll be happy to to put it on the air. He he said, thanks for your work, he or she. I don't know if that's a a dude or a dudette. That's L.C. King. He's big on the Crow 777 forums. And uh, he's been doing a lot of work on the sun and moon. And by the way, it's not Bach. It's B-O-C-K, but sounds like is like. So Bach may be from a Bach family line. I don't know. Oh, by the way, what's the name of the book? Uh, I saw someone ask a question there. What's the name of the book you've been reading that gives like the good breakdown on the Bach saga? Uh, It's very more like Cliff Notes. It's only 250 pages. And bear in mind, to transmit the Bach saga according to the Bach saga, a young boy is taught from age 7 to 27, two hours a day, uh, by his mother and his aunt. That's how the transmission would occur for boys. Um, if you go to Amazon and you put in B-O-C-K, Bach Saga, there will be two books available, one in English, one in German. It's the same. It's like Primer or Introduction to or something like that. As far as I know, the entire Bach Saga is not written anywhere, but according to the Bach Saga, once you turn away from audio thinking 
thinking because of sound to spelling hint 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 <laughs> you've changed you've changed things that's one of the things that they talk about am1 thank you for the five dollars saying really really great stuff here and on crow triple seven thank you very much it's it's definitely awesome this is great for you jason i like that people can support what what they like on what you're doing um I, I, I can't do this on mine, um, but I appreciate that they can do it for you. Yeah, well, again, I wasn't expecting anything at all. I, I just turned it on out of, out of off a whim. But um, anyway, let's uh, let's keep on going through this here. Wayne, which of, the, of all the things you sent me, you sent me a whole bunch of stuff today, which one you want to try and tackle first to really point out what's, uh, what the propaganda is and why we're not paranoid for pointing this out because that's really important. I, I get very annoyed when people you know, more normal, not, not really into the stuff people to be like, Oh, you're just ridiculous. No, I'm, we're not ridiculous. No, let's look at something simple to start like uh, subliminals or subliminal messaging. Okay. Uh, the first, first incident of this was uh, done in a theater in 1956 in New Jersey. And what they had done with this experiment is they put the subliminal message in the film there uh, buy Coca-Cola, eat popcorn and sure enough, they I had they had tracked the numbers. I love Coca Cola sometimes, <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's that's you know beside the point. But sure enough, the numbers of their sales went up like significantly. They noticed a big bump in their sales, so they know that this stuff works. And that's an important key to all of this is the subtlety that they use for this stuff. So what they wind up doing is they start uh, moving along from there and not just putting subliminal messages like in the in the films and stuff, which they, they do. Um, they also will do things like uh, clever product placement within uh, some type of a story that they're showing. So you don't even really notice it consciously, but it's, it's there. So in your unconscious mind or your subconscious mind, it registers. And then that makes you like think about the product at some point in the future consciously and they're very clever about how they do this stuff there's a lot of uh, other things that they do with still pictures even and you know as well as the film what they do is they call it embedding and they do this with sound too i'm sure, sure you're familiar with that they do back masking and embedding with a lot of stuff with that Oh, yeah. Uh, and these are just simple, simple ploys that they use that we can point to and demonstrate this. This is something that they've gotten very good at and they know how to utilize it for maximum effect. Now, this is stuff that's been going on for a long, long time. Um, these are just simple examples we could give. Absolutely. Um Let's get that video. Actually, I, I was totally blown away by that. I can't believe I've never seen that before. Do you? Uh... Let's see if we can get it to play for everyone. And what this is, let me let me cue this up. Wayne, go ahead and see if you can get that working while I explain what we're going to yeah, show here. This is the, uh, if anybody remembers, especially if you're older, that television stations used to go off the air. I, I know Crow and I remember this, or the three of us all, all remember this, of course. But later at night, I don't remember what time it was anymore. Maybe different stations were different. They would go off the air and they would have a uh, a little rah-rah thing at the end and it's the the national anthem the star spangled banner and they had the words on the screen on this video that someone's got from from an old tape from wherever and there's subliminal messaging that's very much like the movie they live but this was real maybe this is where the idea 
uh, came from, from John Carpenter. Maybe he saw this and was like, oh my God. But uh, how are we looking there, Wayne? Do you have the video? I'm actually going to put the link in the chat room here too so folks can watch it in better quality if they want on their own time. But th this is crazy what it is. So let's yeah, find let's it. see. Um, is it coming up? Let me see if I could get it to open. Sign-offs, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. That's what they're called. Thank you. Haven't had to think about this a yep. lot. Hold on. One second here. Come on, my computer's lagging a little. Waiting for a response. I think I hit the button one too many times. Uh, at any rate, if you're going to drop the link down in the thing, people can check this out. But uh, basically, it's an old television sign-off from the 1960s, and it plays the national anthem because uh, anybody who's you know, a little bit older, like, like us, you know, the dinosaurs that we are, uh, <laughs> will remember a time when television didn't play 24 hours a day. Here we go. I got it up and running here. Uh, let me see if I can. Which is actually made fun share of my the screen. movie. They live makes funny of fun of what you're about to show, I believe. Yeah. That's what I was saying. I think, I think this must've been yeah. what gave John Carpenter the, right. the notion. Okay. So here's the link. Let me copy this and put this in, in the, uh, hoo-ha here we go let me see if i can share this on and, the and this really is one of those things it's like i can't believe this was real and they did this it's it's so weird when you study this stuff and you have the documents and things like that but then when you actually find like a real example that was used and put into to use it's just like holy cow so I'm going to try and do this so I don't lose Wayne on the screen here because every time I move my screen around, it seems to want to cut off. No. But I want to read to you guys what this says. And this just tells you how, how much manipulation has gone on. And this is from the 1960s. So do to do. Oh, say, can you see? Oh, is this the wrong one? Oh, this one does not have. I want. Yeah. I want the other one. Uh, the there were two copies. I sent you the one that that was in the you know the the original speed and uh, the the one that's in slow motion. Yeah, I want the one that has to do. So you could actually see the subliminal messaging in there. Yeah, I can't seem to get this to work on here. Um, Give me one second. I can I'm do the get share it screen up. bit. Let me get my history. Yeah, up. it's for some reason this laptop. I guess the processor is not as as fast as it should be for that kind of stuff. That's all right. Maybe so. Crow can do it for us. I can send him the link. Let me find this. Where did you send that to me at originally? Um, I think it was through oh, Facebook I found it. Messenger. I found it. Never mind. There it, it is. You get that it was further on back. There. Okay, this one's better. This one I'm putting in the chat right now. This is the better one because this has the uh, the messages in it. So, yeah. So the person puts the the, the very what, what's really going on here is okay. They have the words of the Star Spangled Banner going through as as it's uh, you know kind of like follow the bouncing ball kind of thing like they used to do. But as the words would fade, you you can barely make out other words that were just barely noticeable. And again, this is this is very much like they live kind of a thing where there's a hidden message right underneath the main message. So <laughs> I, I sent yeah. you a link through Skype um, where someone transcribed it, Jason. I just found this one that says, so trust the U.S. government. And this is this is what's underneath all the yep. other words. Trust the U.S. government. God is real. God is watching. God is real. God is watching. Believe in government God. <laughs> Jeez, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think later on in the video it actually says consume. In there. Re- it does. Rebellion yeah. is not tolerated. I love this one. <laughs> yeah. Resistance is futile. Rebellion is not tolerated. Obey, consume, obey, consume. You think that that wasn't John Cooper didn't see that? <laughs> That's one to one. Trust in the U.S. government. Absolutely. Yeah. And absolutely. you got to keep in mind, guys. This is 1960s. Yeah. Everybody when people were still, the this Vietnam War had before John Carpenter put together they lived. Right now, the the thing that really started breaking people believing in the government was the Vietnam War, and in the 60s that was really just. I mean, it depends upon what year we're talking, because toward the later 60s, people really did start getting pissed off at the government on, on, a, on a large scale. But for the most part, the, the general populace was still very much trusting in their government, as I'm, I'm sure Crow can attest to, that he, he's just old enough to have been there for the 60s, and he probably knows that. Well, I was going to mention, there's actually some of the oldest subliminal message, this is the way they tested it, um, and it's hard to imagine, because I think it precedes what you guys are showing now. Uh, they took a film, and it was, I think, back in the day, film used to run at 24 frames a second. So they took one frame out of 24, so it's 1 24th of a second, that one frame being cut in half, and they put a penis into that frame, and they ran it through a film, and that was one of the ways they tested um, to see if it would work. Uh, they did this apparently all over the place, in so many places, people aren't even sure um, but anyone can go um, look up, do a search term, look up subliminal retro advertising. When I was in, I don't know, grade school in the 70s, they passed a law about subliminal messaging in advertising, uh, which I don't think is with us anymore. They used to write sex. They would paint sexual <laughs> things into the ice cubes on booze ads. All, you can look it up to this day online. It's easy. You'll see endless examples. They still do it. Uh, look at the Skittles wrapper. They do. If I'm not mistaken, the Skittles wrapper even is using the old sex idea. Um, <laughs> it, it goes on and on. Yeah, there's lots of adverts. I've Absolutely. seen plenty of videos people put together where the uh, something to do with a, with sexual excitation is laced into the whole thing. Right. And that actually comes from an old uh, an old marketing uh campaign that was going on i forget the company yeah it was they they did this with the especially with cigarette advertising uh they they did this a lot i actually have a a, an old book uh here somewhere in my files that actually shows some of the uh the things that they did it was an actual directory that they were given these people that were doing uh these marketing and this graphic design they were shown how to do this embedding uh, into these different pictures and stuff and advertisements. And this stuff still goes on. I could show you. I just uh, was looking today uh, because I don't know if you guys were looking at this. This is kind of an ancillary topic, but it, it is pretty important here. So uh, it, it does relate to what we're talking about in a little way. But uh, today, Time Magazine named uh, Greta Thunberg uh, <laughs> Person of the Year here we 2019. Go. So uh, I kid you not. This, this is, you know, you could look it up. It's been all over the Internet. Uh, but there's a picture of her on Time's cover. So I went ahead and I, I took a screenshot of this picture because I just wanted to look and see if they put any subliminals in there. And sure enough, they did. Uh, in the lower left corner, if you look carefully, you can see the word sex spelled out in there. So they still do this, even to this day. Um, I, I would invite anybody to go look with a careful eye. You'll see it. I can spot this stuff. I've been looking at this stuff long enough now. Uh, it's there. So, I mean, that's an example from today. 
So this stuff's still going on, and uh, it's important. So are we paranoid? I don't know, maybe, but do we Just have a little. good reason to be? Well, I think we do have good reason to be. They they use this stuff, like, unbelievably. And this, this hits your subconscious mind. This is what people don't understand. It hits your unconscious mind and your subconscious mind. So you don't consciously see it, because this is actually below uh, what they call the level of... Uh, what, what's the term for it they use? I can't think off the top of my head. Subconscious but level? Your conscious brain. Right. Your conscious brain won't see it. Uh, but your unconscious mind will pick up on it right away in your subconscious mind. And it'll bring it to conscious uh, you know, use later on. So this stuff does affect you, whether you realize it or not. And that's the thing. They put so much stuff in into these different forms of media that uh, it is affecting your mind, whether you realize it or not. If, whether you know it's there or not. Now, here's the, the <laughs> cool thing and the key thing. If you know it's there, it doesn't affect you as much. So if you know it's there and you're looking for it and you can spot it and point it out, then it's like, there it is again. <laughs> it doesn't bother you. It doesn't register in your subconscious mind the same way. So you can't quite be manipulated as easily that way. But, yeah, I invite anybody. Go look at that picture. Go find Time Magazine's cover in the lower left corner. I think it's on the ground right there because she's standing on some rocks next to the ocean. And there's a lot of symbology and stuff put in there, too. That's mostly what I was looking for. But but that embed in there stood out to me right away. It's there. So uh, people could look. I would invite anybody to look for it and see. Uh, this stuff's going on. They use this stuff constantly. And they've gotten really good at putting these subtle things, you know, in motion pictures, television, uh, you name it, any type of media. And come, when it comes down to it, there's only about maybe five or six corporations that control all media. And that's, that's a high number because actually it, you guys have done research to show that it's probably more like one or two. But, uh, you know, the, the most accepted number they give is five or six big companies own all these forms of media and push all this stuff out there. So whatever their agenda is, that's what they're rolling into these things. And uh, one we could cite right away that's been notorious for this stuff is Disney. Disney has all kinds of all kinds of things in there. Fla- their flagrant, flagrant. I mean, penises for children's movies. Uh, there's there's a famous one of Mickey Mouse holding in a massive uh, Mickey Mouse penis that they got caught. Uh, Lion King did it. It's been they've been caught over and over. But I think it's two corporations. I think Jason leans towards five. The research I did leads me to believe. That it's two overarching corporations and everybody on both of those boards is in Club of Rome or Trilateral or something like that above it. Effectively, it's one. But you see, they even made – Jason always asks, what's the Sylvester Stallone movie where the big joke the whole time is the last corporation in the world owns them all? It's, it's Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. Uh, that's, see, um, yeah. Um, oh, my God. Now I'm going to blank on it. Um, Judge Dredd? Is it no, Judge no, no, no. Um, the no, one with what, Leslie Snipes. the other one he did? It's, it's great. Uh, oh. Demolition Man. That's it. Demolition. And you know, so that movie's got a lot of... That's 80s, isn't it? Or is it 90s? Um, mid-90s. Uh, Sandra Bullock was the other star for it. And uh, it, it's actually a good story, believe it or not. And it's got a lot of humor in it that maybe uh, kind of sets it off from other sci-fi stuff. I actually really like that movie. But yeah, the, the jokes that they're making in it are really... It's 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 not a joke. <laughs> well, they're they're still right. playing off that because the Taco Bell just did all the Illuminati ads. Oh yeah, right? yeah, and, Pizza Hut, right? Yeah, uh, but well, they're all the same corporation. Before, 
Right, before that came out, so they're making fun of what was done in Demolition Man, but before that came out, people had identified that it was a single eye. The bell is just a single eye, you know, the all-seeing eye idea, but, you know, they're in your face with they're making fun. Yeah, that's right. We're the big, We're going to be the biggest corporation in the world. What are you going to do about it? Right, and that's go. another way that they use these things subtly, because they place that in Demolition Man as kind of a joke, but... Guess what? Here it is, what, 20-some-odd years later? Mm-hmm. We still remember that. Oh, yeah. You, you you immediately associate Taco Bell with Demolition Man now. See, it works. Oh, here, here's, <laughs> here's one for you that I've looked at a million times and never put it together. Everyone, I think the biggest, one of the biggest albums up to a point was Fleetwood Mac Rumors. Yeah. Everyone familiar with the cover of Fleetwood Mac Rumors? Mick Fleetwood, who's about seven feet tall, Brad sitting there, there's like two... <laughs> Two balls dangling. There's two little, like, frilly balls. And uh, Stevie Nicks is laying there. But Stevie Nicks is pointing to Lindsey Buckingham, who is holding a cane with a seven crook. It's a classic tubal <laughs> caning code. Now, when you look at rumors from now on, all you will ever see is the tubal caning code. Stevie Nicks is, like, slung under Mick Fleetwood's balls, pointing to Lindsey Buckingham's uh, tubal cane cane which is the same thing as Google and 007, of course. Well, Stevie Nicks likes her symbology. She's very famous for uh, being photographed on one of the photos of her one of her albums with an owl, and owl has a lot of occult uh, significance and esoteric significance. So, uh, you know, this, this is a, an homage to ISIS. So that's, that's one of those things. So, I mean, there's a lot of symbology in all this stuff, all forms of entertainment, whether it be music, movies, TV, uh, and that's why we're here. We're just kind of raising the alarm for people. You need to understand this is going on, and this is how they're doing it. This is the magician's trick, like Co said. This is this is what they do. This is how they influence you without you being aware of it. And uh, Jason opened the show with uh, Bernays' quote. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about these people that are w- what he says, quote-unquote, are the invisible government. These are the men that uh, pretty much control your thoughts. These are the people that have learned how to impart to you your likes and dislikes and what what you think and what you believe and what you feel about everything. And they do it in subtle ways like this. You don't even realize it's going on. And that's that's the thing. They use this stuff so that your thoughts are not really your own. They impart this stuff to you, and your opinions are largely formed by people in meeting rooms who you have no idea who they even are. And that's a fact, Jack. Well, that's, that's a big part of why groups exist today, political groups and other things, because once you join them, you're expected to accept what the, you know, the group is about. Um, that's been going on for a long, long time. And uh, to put a fine point on it, Jason's opening remarks um, are really no different. Remember when we did the, the banking one with, uh, what's the dude's name there who gave the 1924 banker? Montague Norman, is that it? Yep, that's it. Montague Norman, it's a similar thing. It's right there in your face talking to all the bankers, saying we basically created the political parties so now we can control them, get them to fight forever. Well, he's he's showing you how the magic works because if you become trapped by saying I'm red or blue, to some degree you're expected to be what that group is and to marry the ideas of that group. That's part of it, but um, the, the biggest thing I can say, it's monkey see, monkey do. People learn by example, and when you watch 
a TV show over and over. It's almost like in a way, in a weird way, you're looking through a window at your own family, kind of. You know, you know the characters, you know everything about them, and they do things that are shocking, but after they do them, they're not shocking anymore, and it blunts the tip on it, and then pretty soon it becomes normalized. Uh, the whole gender confusion has been based on this. Um, the first one was shocking when Ellen DeGeneres didn't know her mic was open on a TV show. That was the premise. Well, look where we are now. That was shocking back in the day. That went <laughs> coast to coast, 24-7 news. If that happened now, people wouldn't even blink. And that is how the magic works. It's called the Overton window, folks. And that's, that's how they shift the Overton window and make things acceptable. That, that's exactly how it we, works. We, we should shocking. Invent- we we should invent the Overton brick. I'm pretty sure the window's not bulletproof. <laughs> Maybe it's like one of those Elon Musk trucks, you know? <laughs> Send the brick right through it. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to get caught up in the chat room here. I was trying. I was pulling up some of my other quotes I wanted to give to you folks. I see R- Richie from Boston's here. Hey, man, haven't talked to you in a, I don't know, it's been a couple months, I think, right? Good to see you, dude. Um, if I missed any questions, though, uh, just, just resend them. I was trying to rearrange my windows so that uh, I don't quite understand exactly how OBS works, but if I move things in certain ways, it blocks out the camera and it doesn't go through. Apparently, I don't know. I'll figure this out sooner or later. But anyway, dude, um, OBS is right in the title. What do you think? Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, bear with us, folks. It's it's still it's new software for us. Uh, you know, a new way of doing things. So we're we're just getting used to it. So. Bear with us a few weeks. We'll get all the. Well, I got the sound out. thing figured It'll out. Now I got to get the uh, make sure it starts on time thing figured out. <laughs> yeah, and I gotta stop being an idiot with my uh, my tech here because I don't know how to use it <laughs> half the time. So <laughs> a guy that writes about technology and I can't use it. <laughs> then there's the difference between us and them. People out there are turning music into gold, man. <laughs> 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 Shinso the Great just sent a dollar ninety nine. Uh, sending everyone good vibes. Thanks, Jason, Wayne, and Crow. Thank you, Shinso. That's awfully cool of you. Uh, if you guys are sending super chats, I, please send send us questions or something. I'm I'm happy to uh, take them and, and read them on the air. Um, I have a second Bernays quote I want to get to though. And again, this think about this for a moment before I read all these. I, I took directly out of his 1928 book called Propaganda. This is a guy who was uh, in his 20s and 30s, and who the heck was he dancing with even at that young age in New York? The things he was doing was just mind-numbing, considering how young he was at the time that he really got started. But here we go. Who are the men who, without our realizing it, give us our ideas, tell us whom to admire and whom to despise, what to believe about the ownership of public utilities, about the tariff, about the price of rubber, about the Dawes plan, about immigration. Who tell us how our houses should be designed, what furniture we should put into them, what menus we should serve on our table, what kind of shirts we must wear, what sports we should indulge in, what plays we should see, what charities we should support, what pictures we should admire, what slang we should affect. What jokes we should laugh at. If this isn't a stick in the eye, what isn't, huh? Yeah, honestly, I mean, propaganda, it's right in the title. I mean, this is the guy that invented it. This is what it's all about. to, To some degree, we've reached an age where so many people have woken up that we see desperation and we see overreach. Owen Benjamin's a good example. Look what they just did to Owen. Um, Sure, he said a lot of things that weren't politically correct, 
But when they booted him off YouTube, from what I hear, he went to a new platform and increased his following many times. That's a backfire. And that's a desperate move of censorship. But there's other examples we could point. Look at uh, Bruce Jenner. Remember when the whole narrative on TV was, you got to admire that gal. <laughs> that back, no one was admiring that. It was like a freak show. Yeah. But if anyone said anything, it was like, oh, you, you can't say that. And I thought, yeah, I can. That's not normal. And I, I guarantee anyone with a six-year-old child watching that television were thinking about covering their eyes because it was that kind of carnival-y. Um, but I think we see a lot of overreach, and with the amount of people waking up, I'm not so convinced that the that what's about to happen is a foregone you know foregone conclusion anymore. I'm really not. And think about here's another thing: all the music being made. We had Flat Earth Man; that was one example. But there are so many people writing music now about this, that, or the other thing. And when that happens, I think changes in the air. I agree with you 100%. Uh, definitely. People are waking up to this stuff now. Uh, they're, they're getting a little mad about a lot of it, especially anybody who's got young children. This stuff's confusing for young children. They shouldn't even be, you know, having to consider any of this gender identity nonsense at that age. I mean, it, it's, it's just it boggles the mind that it's gotten stretched this far. Um, you know, you got the. This is the guy that was on the Wheaties box in the 1970s, winning uh, gold medals and stuff in the the men's Olympic games. And now, what's stopping him from competing in the women's games now? And that's that's something that's going on by and large with this stuff too. So, when you're looking at it, people are are getting a little incensed with this. Even even people who are of the LGBTQ community are getting mad at this because the things that they're pushing that the mainstream media and all these media outlets are pushing as LGBTQ stuff is extremes. What, what's, and a what's lot of these Q? people... What's uh, Q? I don't mean to interrupt, I, but I don't queer, even know I what think. that means. Uh, I think it means questioning, if I remember right. Oh, is it? Uh, I was going to say, why, like would, why would you need queer if you already have G? I always yeah, took it as queer, well, but that's... you know what? That's a good question. Let's, let me see. I'll look well, that up real quick. Well, here's the other one, though. The, the B stands for bisexual, right? Well, if there's more than two genders, then <laughs> doesn't that kind of fly in the face of their own Bi narrative? means two, right. I, I don't know what to make of it. You know, it's but, I, I say this. A couple things in the little town I live in are going on that kind of show that right now they're trying to get rid of our library. The, the town just built a new library, um, and now they're trying to say it's too expensive, we don't need it. And that's that's no different than saying we're not teaching children cursive anymore. But every time I drive by the church, um, they have these doors that are the color of the LBTJQRS flag, um, or whatever it is. Okay, so the, the gay flag colors are in these doors, and it says, everyone welcome, okay, over the doors. And it kills me that everyone is so freaking blind that all that is is a bomb with the fuse lit. You see, because if everyone's welcome, you don't put a picture of them. You just say everybody's welcome. Because if everyone's welcome, it doesn't matter who or what you are. But instead, they single it out, they put the flag up, and then there is the derision being re-sewn ensuring that it will never be acceptable because some people will be offended. Some people will be offended that those people are offended. and It just goes in circles. So it's uh, the whole thing is a construct. If everyone's truly invited, then that's all you ever need to say. You don't put a flag or a picture or any of that. So I just looked it Absolutely. up, and apparently the current, uh, whatever you call this, is LGBT. T 
T-Q-Q-I-A-A-P. You're lying. You're making that up. <laughs> it sounds like I am, doesn't it? So it stands for <laughs> lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, transsexual, queer, questioning, intersex, asexual, ally, and pansexual. Alrighty then. In. Yeah, we better get one in there for Pan because he's half goat. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's in there, isn't that it? That is very Sexual? true. They said that. Yeah, I think the only thing missing at this point is the kitchen sink and all that. So, And all <laughs> I know is when I go out in the world, I noticed, and I don't know if I'm just weird this way, but I noticed that squirrels were having little squirrels. And then I noticed down at the beach that this one certain kind of fish was having little minnow that certain kind of fish and anything else that was going on didn't need its own name or country or flag that's every time you see a flag a group or things pointed out in this way it's being used as a division tool um you know think think of even the american flag that you were supposed to pledge allegiance all that basically does is makes it us and them well you're you're not an american um it's all very ridiculous at this point with so many people waking up, um, all of it is just control mechanism after control mechanism. Ruthie, thank you Absolutely. for the $5. Frank Vitucci for $1.99 says, the album cover is not how Crow explained it. Uh, Crow, were you referring maybe to a different album cover? Or, or do you want to take a look for a moment um, and get back to that? Well, let me know. I'm pretty sure it's rumors because I, I know the album well for more reasons than I care to explain. Uh, let me look it up to make sure I haven't made a mistake because I do make mistakes like everyone else in the world. What? What? Uh, Not Crow Triple Seven. No. Oh, never. They, there's a new. Okay, I see what's going on here. Apparently, there's a new Fleetwood Mac album cover that's been reshot. You have to go, and the one I'm looking at has just Stevie Nicks and Mick Fleetwood on the cover. You need the one where the whole band, it's a double album, and it's a fold-out. So you need the older album. Well, even in the one where it's just the two of them, you can see the two balls on Mick Fleetwood. But you need the one where the whole band is is laid out. I didn't realize they reissued this. But I see what he means. Yeah, it's nothing like I described. So let me quickly figure out. Carry on for a second, and I'll figure out how to search the original. I can't even find the original album cover. This is weird. There's that barn wall again, mm, bro. There you go. Mountain Smithy, thank you for the $7.77. I see what you did there. And the, let's see. Capricorn is Capri, or goat, plus corn, seed, the animal seed, the procreative seed. From Spirit World, the blackest of all magic. That's cool. Thank you. Are you familiar with that? There's Any, a, anybody? There's a lot of goat symbolism. Uh, Holy smokes! It's strewn gone. throughout, strewn throughout all religions and and all that stuff. You can't I, find that album cover. I I can't believe this is one of the best selling albums of all. Maybe it's the center. I remember that hold, album hold cover. On. Just back is it, it up. Is it the centerfold? Hold on. I do remember the picture you're talking about. I don't know which album it was. Jason, but... you're a music guy. Help me out. It looks like like the old Rumors album cover with the entire band on the cover has been scrubbed. Well, the original one, as far as I know, was just the two of them. And then the inside, I think, had all of them. 
the inside was where it was because I just put centerfold. Okay, inside. I'll put inside. See if that's it. Well, it was either the inside or the back one. I haven't picked it up in ages. Yeah, th this looks right. I'm looking at it, and it's it's the front cover, and there's two balls hanging from them. Is that what you're talking about? No, 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 no. The whole because it that's only two balls. You need two ball cane. And the one I'm referring to, Stevie Nicks is laying down. McFleetwood's got the balls. Her fingers are pointing to Lindsey Buckingham holding the cane that's in that weird shape that symbolizes the cane in Tubal Cane. Okay, I just found. Got the balls. Okay, I just found. Let's see. I can't find it. It's not inside. Um, you think it's the back? We might have to address this on the show, man, because this is it's this is scrubbed. Hard. I'm even mm. I'm even searching original here, Jason. There are I variations cannot... I'm finding of the uh, of the main cover. Like apparently there was the one I'm talking about was so iconic because it was such a massive album, and I can't find any single representation of it. Well, this maybe try uh, putting in on on vinyl. Maybe that'll help. If you look for the the vinyl record, maybe on like an eBay type site or something, you might be able to see like one of the older original album covers better. We might just have to get back on this one and just do some homework on it because this is this is very odd. I'm not finding. Let's see. Because too no, many there's... people figured out Tubal Kane. They're scrubbing it. There's no way. This is one of the best selling albums of all time. Yeah. I think it may be the best selling double album. I'm guessing here. I don't know, but I know it's one of the best selling albums of all time. The The story put out was that the two couples were breaking up. So Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, and the McVees, the bassist and, and the classically trained keyboardist, were all breaking up. So the idea was that the fire created by all that created this amazing album. Um, but this is a scrub. This I album is so iconic, there's no way in hell I shouldn't be able to search the image that was so famous. Next thing you know, the dark side of the moon will disappear into the dust, too. <laughs> I, this, is, this is the barn wall. This is absolutely the barn wall. I can't find any example of it, Jason. Yeah, people are asking us if we've heard the uh, Mandela effect. Absolutely. Absolutely, we've heard the uh, Mandela um, yep. The one I that gets up. me, as I've said many times, is uh, somebody said, oh, Karen, thank you. She said, search the dance. Maybe that's maybe it's a particular like single cover or something like that. But no, uh, let's try that. I, I know better. The original album, I, I, I assumed it was the cover folded out. It could have been the in, inside or the back. Um, she's saying the dance by Fleetwood. Yeah, look that one up. See if that's telling. Yeah, but I know it's rumors. Oh, here it is. Yep. Oh, my God. That's that's, that's Yeah, but it doesn't make sense, Jason, because, look, he's he's on a different album, and he's wearing the same balls as he was on the other one. But anyhow, there it is. Thanks for the tip. Um, I would have bet hard, cold money that this was the rumors image. So I don't know if this is some kind of Mandela. But anyhow, if you search Fleetwood Mac the Dance, you will see the image with all five band members. Uh, the two balls in front of Stevie Nicks, and I can't see, is she pointing? Yes, she's pointing to the cane. Yeah, yeah, she is. Okay, so there and we the go. Thanks, Karen B. That was, that's awesome. I'm glad you knew that, because this was uh, getting a little crazy here. Just so that's people know, 
if you look at the shape of that cane, it almost looks like a putter. That is the original encode for the two-ball cane for whatever reason. And that also tells you why 007 is also a two-ball cane encode. But that weird little hockey hockey stick top or putter top is is in the original encode. All right, well, and she's there, there pointing you go. To There's the answer. The two-ball cane. I can't imagine. I mean, how is it that he's got the same balls on rumors and then this is a whole different thing? Well, yeah, this one looks like it's the 80s, too, so this looks a few years later. Like, Mick Fleetwood it looks a lot older. It seems all wrong to me. And... I could be wrong, but it seems all wrong to me. Well, make that as you will. I don't know what else to say. Um, all right, well, at least we have an answer of some sort. Uh, let's see, I think I missed a question here. Someone just asked something and i got distracted no that never happens we don't ever get well, i was trying to find this album cover until karen came through for us so anyway okay thanks karen thanks karen <laughs> <laughs> all right let's move on to Sometimes the next bernays quote we're talking about there are invisible rulers who control the destinies of millions it is not Two generally volcano. realized to what extent the words and actions of our most influential public men are dictated by shrewd persons operating behind the scenes, nor, what is still more important, the extent to which our thoughts and habits are modified by authorities. Well, yikes. <laughs> Again, 1928, oh, folks. Yikes. Well, it's saying the same thing that we just pointed out with the album cover, Jason. What would be the point of Stevie Nicks making such an effort to point out Tubal Cain, Tubal Cain being the bloodline of Cain? You just read that it's a few select people. Yeah, they yeah, call themselves descendants of Cain, basically. That's what it's all about. Okay, Liquid Cadmus asked, I wanted to ask if you guys know about the 2020 Great Conjunction. It also seems to coincide with many different prophetic texts and the Aquarian age idea, current events, it's an interesting phenomenon. Um, well, 2020 is symbolism in itself because what is 2020? It's supposed to be perfect vision. But uh, Crow, do you know exactly about the Great Conjunction or even Wayne, do you know about the Great Conjunction? Um, is this one of those ones where the center of a galaxy or something lines up or are we referring to something else? Because if it's the center of the galaxy, it's one that I don't accept. Um, because I don't accept the model, but be specific. What do you mean? What is the conjunction? Is it two luminaries? Is it sky clock related? Is it galaxy related? Uh, Liquid Cadmus, get, get back to this. us and let I'm us know sure exactly what you mean. What it is, though. Liquid Damus? Is that who wrote that? Yeah. Oh, Liquid Cadmus? Yeah. Liquid Cadmus. The Great Awakening um, anyhow, equals 2020. He, well, as I said, there, there's a lot of symbolism behind the, the concept of uh, 2020 and Wayne, do you know anything of, of anything particularly you could throw out f for about just 2020 in itself? Uh, well, 2020 is an encode of 22, which is the uh, master builder number. So uh, look for a lot of big things going on in 2020. Olympics, uh, elections. Will, Olympics, elections, you name it, the whole nine yards. This is going to be a big year coming up. Uh, we're going to start to see uh, – I, I wanna. I'm going to predict uh, a lot of clamping down by the power structure on our free speech and uh you know just on our liberties at large and also another interesting thing uh elon musk came out uh with his company Neuralink and they made the announcement that they're going to start uh, human trials uh in 2020 with the Neuralink product so oh really uh, look for that too yeah but wait yeah. for that to happen so, yep. uh, that's that's going to be a big one too. that's the oh, matrix oh, baby <laughs> predicting well, wait a minute are we talking about planetary conjunction where uh, there it's jupiter and saturn 
isn't it? Jupiter and Saturn are going to conjunct. Yeah. And if that's what you're referring to from an astrological point of view, that's huge. That's two basically the most powerful planets. Um, and, you know, Jove or Jupiter is the jovial, more happy ideas most of the time. And Saturn is the more kind of cruel taskmaster binding ideas. You know, it... Saturn is well represented in marriage when you put on that binding ring and you enter that contract. You can't look at other women now. You've agreed that this is who you'll be. All these rules that you contract into with that binding ring principle. Um, but that's maybe a little uh, marriage is too nice to compare it to all the Saturnian. If that's what you're referring to, yes, um, I, I, that had slipped my mind. It's going to be astrologically a big year probably. Didn't, so does didn't that mean we're bring going that to be up? forced to party? Athen brought up about that. Did he forced not? Forced to party? You know, I, yeah, I want, I want to. We we should get Athen. You know, that would be a good enough reason just to get Athen in for an intro or something to get his take um, on the conjunction of the two biggest supposed luminaries. And by the way, here's the thing: most people overlook about the sky clock. Um, the sun is encoded in so many things, even religious traditions, all these things in the West. Everything we do is about the sun in the West. Um, we go to church on the day of the sun. Uh, the calendar is derived from the sun when it really should be from the moon. We should do events to the sun, calendars to the moon. But my 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 point here is that uh, – hold on. Dang it. So anyway, Liquid Cadmus, yeah, I believe Athen brought that up. We did a show with him not too, too long ago, uh, a few weeks back. And I, I do actually recall him saying something to the effect about this. Or at least I hope it's in the show. We did talk to him offline as well. So pretty pretty sure he did mention it uh, the, in the recorded part. But uh, Rocker Chick, thank you so much for the 1999. She says, awesome show, guys. That's really generous of you. Thank you. Sorry, I had a mouse actually run right by me. Um, but anyhow, what I was going to say, did they the want you to watch Star Wars? Saturn is the furthest from the sun, just so people understand the idea behind that. Um, people who worship Saturn and the certain religions, that's the furthest you can get from the sun back in the day when those were the only planets you could see with your eye. So it's almost like lightness and darkness in a way. And just as a point of interest for folks, Mickey just tried to shut up Crow, so. <laughs> <laughs> the, when the mouse calls. <laughs> Watch it, or I'll send the blocked, squared-off Saturn symbol of Chevrolet over to deal with Mickey. <laughs> Liquid Cadmus says, Crow's really onto something with the moon. I lived in Korea for eight years, and they celebrate birthdays and other festivities by the <laughs> lunar calendar, not solar birthdays like us in the West. Well, there you go. I remember you mentioning something about that too, Crow. Well, that's because over in Korea, they still have some semblance of an old culture where they're human beings, and in the West, we've all been yanked to the sun and turned into corporate identities. Um, and the truth of it is, if you want a calendar that works, uh, a month is only delineated by a month or a month. And so basically, I am pretty much of a mind that a sane world would have a lunar calendar for months and weeks, that kind of thing. And then events would be geared to the sun. And by the way, births, births would be geared to the sun. And by the way, um, in a sane world that was in sync with nature, most children would probably be conceived at the height of the power of the sun, at the solstice in summer, which means they're all born at the spring equinox, kind of like deer and other animals that we can see. Hmm. Yeah, it's amazing how nature works, isn't it? Really, the creator knew what he was doing, and then he gave us free will, and we kind of went off the rails We botched it! <laughs> We can get back. No worries, man. We're, we're, we're not stupid, most of us. We can get back. 
Well, and that's what we're trying to yeah. do a lot with a lot of the shows we do. That, that's stuff that Wayne points out and you and I point out, Crow. We're trying to get people to get away from all this uh, Luciferian negativity that's shoved in our face day after day after day and try and get things back to a little more bit of natural realness. Well, that's the whole right. thing. I've tried to boil it down, and, and where I'm at right now is the only way back is to recognize nature, learn, and appreciate nature. For me, it's not even about dark and light anymore, because the problem becomes is if we have free choice, and that's true, which we know it's true, and someone chooses to go for the dark side, that's a legitimate choice. They had the ability to do that, and they did it. So how can you tell them that that's against the rules? All the people like us who want the light don't appreciate that, but the point is, is any one of us could have chose to do that. So at the end of the day, I think what it is, is most of the things like what the Vatican was doing was pulling us away from nature. Science, pulling us away from nature. So for me, that's that's the way back. Ruthie, thank you for the $2. <laughs> I think I think if you emailed me earlier, Ruthie, um, about this, the reason I didn't answer is because I don't put data about myself on Google products. Um, and I think it's self-evident that the answer to your question is yes, if you've seen Shoot the Moon. There you go. I was going to ask you how you wanted to address that, but you already saw it. So, Ruthie, thank you for the $2. Hope that answers your question. Uh, Wayne, where are we at here? Where, which uh, of the many things you, you pulled for this show would you like to address next? Oh, I don't know. Uh, there's so many different things to look at here. Um, we could just go back to Bernays for a minute and understand this guy had real clout. Um, and he's the one that kind of laid the foundation of this stuff. And uh, he was a relative of Freud's, wasn't he? As I recall. Right. I that's what we, we said. We were saying that a little earlier. D double nephew of so Freud. Right. How many so double talking... nephews do you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a little bit of a weird thing, isn't it? It's hardly a coincidence either. And and that's the thing people need to understand. This stuff doesn't wind up in these entertainment products and stuff by accident or by coincidence. It's not something that was accidentally put there, um, especially when it comes to product placements and things like that. And, you know, different different shots of things uh, like within this the cinematic view of things. Uh, a good example of this would be. Um, with uh, 2001 and uh, all of Kubrick's other films, he was a stickler for making sure every little detail was mm -hmm. put exactly where it belonged. Yep. And there's a reason for this, this because this impacts the mind in the, the most effective way. So this is what they do. None of this stuff is put in there by accident or by happenstance. This stuff, all these things that they put in, especially the symbols and the symbolism that they put into these different movies and TV shows and things. This is all put there very much on purpose to impact your mind in the, the most uh, impactful way, I guess is the best way to say it, um, to give you the, the biggest significance for what it is so that they could implant a different idea or an archetypal thought into your mind. And that's what all of this uh, plays back on. Uh, when it comes down to it. And here's where the psychology aspect of it comes in again. Archetypes. This uh, is ba largely based on the works of Jung, um, who is a, a contemporary of Freud. Uh, you know, you hear a lot about Freud. He's the one that's mostly thought about, you know, it's, you know, the the whole, what would you call, arc, your whole concept of what a psychologist is and what they, they have done. This is the guy that sits you down on the on the couch. So tell me about your mother. <laughs> and, and that's what people that's most associate with these guys. But uh, 
when you're looking at uh, different aspects of this and different psychologists and psychiatrists like Jung, Jung was very much an alchemist. And he, he's acknowledged this and he's, he's, you know, applied a lot of these alchemical principles to the things that he was doing and to, to the science that he was pursuing with this psychology. And that's where he came up with the idea of archetypes. This, this goes back far before Jung came around, the whole idea of the archetype. He's just the one that brought it into the modern era and made it more familiar for people and put kind of a scientific spin on it what you would call quote-unquote scientific. The cult of scientism, I think, largely today is probably one of the biggest things wrong with this world because they say, oh, this is science, this is science, you know, this is absolute fact, this and that, when they're just pushing a lot of theories and, and, and things like that that really you can't, you can't prove through scientific method. Like one of the best examples of this is Big Bang Theory. It's can you prove that that actually happened? It's not provable. It's not observable, and it's not repeatable. So that that's totally that goes against scientific method. Yet they tout this stuff as science all the time, and it's it's hypocritical. <laughs> that's the thing. So they put this out, and it's a belief system. And uh, scientism, I, I think, that is by and large a lot of the things wrong with society because it pushes people to a more secular viewpoint. And steers their minds away from spiritual things or philosophical things and puts them into concrete, hyper-material things. And that's what the, a lot of this is, is pushing. Um, it's trying to push the more animalistic or physical aspect of the human experience and trying to steer people with that and keep them in their lower animal minds rather than put them in a higher-minded state. And that's what a lot of this entertainment and stuff is designed to do. It's designed to keep you down on the farm with the other animals. Someone said, well, uh, hey, Crow, all the rappers today are pushing promethazine to the kids. It can't be a com- coincidence that promethazine sounds so similar to Prometheus. Of course not. I don't know what the drug is or does, but sounds like, is like, kind of like, we know the game. Um, I would point out, Wayne, um, you could almost say that Freud showed psychologists the power of sex and then Jung proved the mind could be hacked. Um, that's another way to look at it. But Jason, did you catch Monique Margot's? comment about when the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns oh, with yeah. Mars. Um, Rose, can you put up Athens um, episode number? We proved that every word of that song is actually backwards and means yeah. the exact opposite yep. of what's true. But I'm sorry, I lost my thread. You were pointing out. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, here, here's the thing about rap, guys. And I'm sorry if people are into it. And I'm not going to apologize because <laughs> I loved rock and roll and I ruined it for myself. Um, But it's better to know. In the same way Jason and I took the 60s apart to show what the basic overarching goal of all that was, it's a construct. They were all military families or spy families. And what they did was they set a goal to drug everybody out and rip apart the family unit that was still intact in the 50s. What rap is now doing is that on steroids. But you see, the problem with rap is most of it doesn't even classify as music. If you look up music as a definition because words have meaning it needs to have melody and harmony and the the constituent parts of music and so much of it is just aggression um, without these components individually and also to a worse degree uh, there has been periods of rap when they just sampled someone else's music Um, and that is the nostalgia idea looping people back around and I know a lot of people get upset by that but I think we should be openly 
you know, in the same way that I don't look at my rock heroes the way I used to because I understand what was going on there, um, rap is much worse. It objectifies women. Um, it makes materialism the be-all, end-all goal. It does a lot of things that are unhelpful, but a lot of it's not music. I agree. By the way, thank you, Snake, Snake Jones, for the uh, $20 super chat. That was, again, very kind. Thank you. If you have a question or comment, I'd be happy to read it on the air. <clears throat> All right, I've got one more Bernays quote I want to get to, and then we can. And then we've got what forty-five minutes yet? Okay, so we got plenty of time. So here's my last one I pulled from the 1928 book Propaganda to discuss: the invisible government tends to be concentrated in the hands of the few because of the expense of manipulating the social machinery which controls the opinions and habits of the masses. To advertise on a scale which will reach 50 million persons is expensive. To reach and persuade the group leaders who dictate the public's thoughts and actions is likewise expensive. And let me pause for a moment and say, what is it you always see rappers doing? Just as a for instance. Continuing. For this reason, there is an increasing tendency to concentrate the functions of propaganda in the hands of the propaganda specialist. This specialist is more and more assuming a distinct place and function in our national life. New activities call for new nomenclature. The propagandist, who specializes in interpreting enterprises and ideas to the public, and in interpreting the public to promulgators of new enterprises and ideas, has come to be known by the name of Public Relations Council. Now, of course, governments and, and whomever used propaganda for years and years and years, long before Bernays. What Bernays did was really bring it to uh, to fruition in, in a very large context to manipulate lots of people at the same time and be very cute about the way he would utilize more modern concepts that wouldn't have existed before, such as advertising, you know, using the press, all those kinds of things. He was just an absolute master at that stuff. Marketing. Marketing. marketing well, yeah, basically marketing. Yeah, that, that's this guy, uh, you know, kind of laid the foundations for the whole marketing and uh, public relations type sciences that go on and these are actual sciences and you know this is stuff that's taught in universities and all now uh, he laid the foundation for all that there's there's pr firms i mean there's there's actual whole companies devoted to public relations and doing this stuff there's marketing companies uh a lot of this stuff goes hand in hand with business interests so this is what a lot of it is geared towards, but uh, at the same token that businesses could use this to their advantage, social controllers could also use it to their advantage, and they are. They don't uh, make any bones about it. They don't let this stuff get away from them. <coughs> Excuse me. Growing. But anyway. Oh, I'm, I'm here. I was thinking about, you know, well, I don't know how anyone overlooks the fact that we can point out that what Freud did was put um, a supposed medical endeavor called psychology on the world stage, and a lot of it was based in sex. Then Jung come along, which was, I believe, his student. I think they supposedly ended up at odds. And Jung got into the metaphysical things, and he basically demonstrated the human mind could be hacked. He used archetypes and other things. Uh, even ayahuasca, I believe, was part of Jung's um, study. So if we can show that Bernays is the double nephew of the guys who put basically brain hacking um, on the world stage how do you ever separate what's going on and to be perfectly honest um, in our world of materialism and I've worked in marketing jobs uh, marketing is an aberration 
basically the definition of marketing is to get people to do things they would not normally have done or to buy things they simply don't need. Um, and that is part and parcel of the material culture in the United States right now. There is no material culture without the marketing. That's what's driving everything we're doing here online. It's all advertising. That's all marketing. Um, it's a crazy thing once you get down to the nuts and bolts of what's actually there. Well, one of the big things that Bernays did was tie emotion into materialism. And again, that's really what a lot of what rap music does, where they're dancing around, showing off, flashing their wad of $100 bills and, and gold rings and cars and all the other ridiculous stuff that they do. They're tying it to an emotion to the listener slash viewer, which is greed. You want these things too, desire. You want to be as awesome as I am with tattoos all over my face and all the other ridiculous nonsense that they do. Aggression, too. Um, aggression is definitely tied into it. And I do see a lot of people trying to make the claim, oh, it came because the streets were rough. And wherever it started doesn't even really matter because we can show it's a construct from the get-go, just like rock and roll music was, just like country music was. Because the people who have controlled the messaging centers have always been the richest families. And they're an insider group. As Before we came on the air, we were talking about Remember back in the day when Americans were getting filthy rich and their main goal was to break into that ring of upper crust society in New York City. But the upper crust was saying these these new Johnny come latelys don't have the bloodline. They're not coming in. These are like hillbillies with money. Um, well, there was a reason for all that, because this group had been around for a long time and they'd been controlling everything for a long time. Um, and I'm sorry, you know, I see it all the time. We do a show uh, about rock music or some other type of music, and we're not necessarily bad-mouthing the artist. To a lot of degrees, some of these artists didn't have a lot of choice once they were contracted in. But then again, some of them came from the families. But I always see the people come in and say, yeah, you're right about all these bands, but not this band I love. And it's a sad commentary. <laughs> it's always on except the, power. the one that you're into. <laughs> of course. It's a sad commentary on the power of emotion and the things we like. You know, sure, I can throw Zeppelin out the window, but don't you dare say anything about you, too. Um, you know, it <laughs> doesn't work that way, man. In for a penny, in for a pound. Um, and the rap music is just so much, so, so much further. Well, may, maybe. Maybe it doesn't have the same drugs. I don't know. I'm not young anymore, but maybe there's not as much drugging going on in rap. I just simply don't know. In my age, the drugs was a big part of it. I'm pretty sure the drugs are a big part of it now, too. Oh. Um, and, <laughs> it's and, not. Well, here's you know, the thing. To, here's the thing. In, in the 21st century, it's not just about doing the drugs like it was in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Now it's about selling the drugs and being a part of that culture, being a, a piece of crap on the streets controlling your streets, being the one pushing everything and making that money. Well, look, sure. look, you know, what, what's the old biblical saying? You can judge a tree by its fruit. You know, if the fruit's poison, so is the tree. Well, let's look at some of the early raps or rappers. And that was gangster rap, if I'm not mistaken, who made it go mega big. This is a hit everywhere. It was gangster rap. Well, let's look at some of those guys like Ice-T. How many times has that guy gone to Hollywood to play a cop? <laughs> or the other dude. What's what's the other? What's ice the other? cube. Yeah, I see, cube. A, you see a, a theme here. Yeah, I knew there was another ice cube. Tea, so so now cube. he's going to go make a few more million paying a cop when he's a gangster rapper. And then you look at people like Snoop Dogg. And I'm wondering if I ever saw someone like that, Ice-T or Snoop Dogg face to face. And I said, I would ask one question. Are you proud of what you showed the young people in your community? Are you proud of what you did? That's the only thing I would ask. 
Because if I were them and I'd grown up to be the age they are now and I had to look back at all that, I'd be ashamed. Um, like Dr. Dre, um, he was all in that. And they, they taught a whole, you know, a whole group of young people how to be thugs, basically. Um, I'm just saying. Couple, couple yeah, other things I want to. I want to point out here from the chat room. Uh, White Space Marine says, "Look at iPet Go Two, which I've seen for years now. That thing is just chock full of interesting things. Uh, look at iPet Go Two. See the young female protester. There is a yin yang symbol in front of the tanks. She is wearing a jacket with a tiger on it. Father Time grabs her shoulder. Year of the Tiger is 2022." So I, I have no doubt that there's symbolism beyond all belief in that thing. And as a matter of fact, Crow and I were talking about that particular little cartoon a few weeks. Uh, it was about two weeks, Crow, before the uh, yeah. Notre Dame caught fire. Yep. And we yep. were talking well, about we, it. We didn't, and it's not like we were predicting anything. We were just happened to be discussing it at the time. Well, we we did the cathedral show, Jason. Two weeks. I I, I started. I don't know why. I got a book. I all of a sudden I wanted this book on Notre Dame Cathedral because I wanted to show that originally those cathedrals had nothing to do with any religion or anything. They were like natural science buildings and they were showing the path of a human being on how to be a higher human being and apparently open to much of the public. And I started to realize they're they're destroying these things and lo and behold we did the episode two weeks later and we did the episode on Notre Dame by the way. That was the main cathedral we centered on Two weeks later, they burned it down, um, and then it was shown, is it Pet Goat 1 or 2, where they pre-echo the burning of the cathedral? The cartoon's called uh, I Pet Goat 2. I can find that in a moment. Liquid Cadmus is asking, speaking of drugs, why do you think weed is becoming legal everywhere suddenly? Maybe they want to control the production and market, or they want the masses to be high and docile. Crow, I know we've both uh, discussed this, but go ahead and take that, and I'm going to find a link to I Pet Goat 2 for the chat room. Well, of course, it's no different than alcohol. They want people to go get high and go watch football games or eat pizza, but that's not the main reason. The main reason I think now that we all know that CBD and THC is such a powerful curative medicine, I think they're going to legalize it. They're going to do to it what they did with tobacco. They're going to change the genetic structure if that's a thing and they'll take everything that was good about cannabis out of cannabis that's what i suspect is going on as a matter of fact i had an appointment at the va uh, very recently and there was a chinese doctor and that chinese doctor in the va had actually been trained in beijing so i asked did you get chinese herbal medicine she said yes I said, that's amazing. I got to tell you about this CBD. And I started telling her all the benefits I got from CBD. And she looked at me nervously and said, isn't that illegal? And I informed her, no, it's not. I go to a store right in my area and I can buy CBD with or without THC. And even the THC is very low. It's just that I can't stand being high anymore, which doesn't make any sense because I spent my whole childhood high. So I don't know what happened there. But whatever. I just don't like to be stoned anymore. Um, so I get the CBD and, and I told her it is the most amazing real medicine. And she goes, I know it is, but we're not allowed to talk about it. Yeah. And I said, I said, there's the writing on the wall because right now, if my back hurt, I'm pretty sure she'd give me narcotics and we all know what's that, what that's done to the country. Um, as a matter of fact, my 90 year old mother has a ripped meniscus and there was a whole surgery thing and I'm all no way, man, you're too old to be getting a surgery. We're not risking it. So we're in there in the doctor and he looks at me nervously over his shoulder and said, 
If I had my way, I would take all narcotics out of every old folks home and put CBD. And he looked at me nervously and I was smiling. I said, I take it every day. <laughs> and then when my mother had heard the doctor say that, we came home. I got her the cream and I put her on it. Guess what? Her knee is okay now. Amazing, isn't it? Uh, I think uh, our our buddy Phoenix referred to uh, cannabis as a, a pharmacopoeia in one plant. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of medicinal uses for this. And uh, what I suspect is they're planning on genetically engineering it into something that is more harmful and less helpful for people. And uh, you could see uh, here in Pennsylvania where I'm at, they just legalized recreational marijuana here. It they goes did, into finally. Effect, I think, yeah, I think sometime wow. next year. So uh, we'll see what happens. They had just previously, uh, earlier this year, uh, they legalized medicinal uh, marijuana for, you know, that kind of use. But you have to have a prescription for it. And it's very hard to get doctors around here to write for something like that. And it's controlled by uh, state-run distributors pretty much. Uh, There's only a select few pharmacies available that are licensed in the state of Pennsylvania to actually fill uh, these medicinal scripts for it. So uh, we'll see what happens here. I'm curious to see now that they're legalizing it for recreational use. I'm sure there's going to be all kinds of businesses it's, popping up all over the place around here selling it. So apparently we're curious to see what happens. We had Sean on who also said it was the main car, you know, main tool of pharmacopoeia when they made up the corporate name marijuana and legalized it. Apparently from that time to this, Israel has been um, always conducting studies and is far ahead of everybody, if that tells anybody anything. But I'll point out another thing. Marijuana was the primary drug that was used for my generation to drive the music and then to introduce more drugs. Pretty soon it's some other drug and then before long it's cocaine and then heroin's in the picture and really damaging drugs come into it. But think of this. When I was young, the the power of marijuana was I would estimate hundreds of times less than what it is now. So there's that whole thing to consider, too, because it seems to getting more potent and more potent. But if I had to venture a guess for the main reason, besides trying to make everybody high and lazy, it's that they don't want it to become a a major pharmacopoeia medicine again. And so it's going to lead to bad things for cannabis, probably. Yeah, I suspect you're right. And that's unfortunate because there are so many good uses for it. And uh, that's what we need to consider for that, uh, you know. But b- back on the topic at hand here, uh, just to kind of show people that uh, television and those types of instruments there are being used to promote this propaganda and this dumbing down of the public and for control purposes. I'm going to go ahead and read a quote here from a paper from a gentleman named Leo Bogart, and it's called American Television a brief survey of research findings. And this is from the journal of social issues. Hold that thought. I think we got cut. Uh Oh, I, I saw, I saw it spinning and spinning. Can the chat room still hear us? Uh, No, I see you streaming Jason chat room. Someone comment. If you can still see us, let me know if you can see us. It was, it was recycling Jason, but I can see it now. Let's see, uh, because nothing is Are going through on my software. Well? Are we alive and well? Yeah, everyone's saying it's good now in the chat. Okay, um, cool. There was a huge pickup. So go ahead, Wayne, pick up. All right. Well, what I was saying is I'm going to read a little quote here from a uh, – this is a 
research paper from a gentleman named Leo Bogart. It's called American Television, A Brief Survey of Research Findings. And this is from the Journal of Social Issues, uh, issue number 18, 1962. A review of the research on television viewing time shows that individuals at the upper end of the educational and socioeconomic spectrum spend less time watching TV with the high point at a level just above the lowest income group. As television lost its novelty, viewing became less of a primary preoccupation and more of a pastime. The high costs of broadcasting and program production have given TV a strongly conservative character. Because the sponsor has a large investment at stake, he wants to win the largest possible audience. This leads to the selection of programs, listen to that word, programs, which are safe, bland, and inoffensive. Bogart concludes that the level of cultural taste represented by television programming was already well established in the mass media before TV, and that violence and stereotyping in program content do not differ from that already prevalent in the popular arts. TV has not brought about any major qualitative transformation in the Moore's values and cultural standards, but TV content expresses the prevailing standards with a greater impact listen to that, greater impact than the other media. Television broadcasts to millions a sense of common familiarity with the same folk heroes and a common sharing of experience with the same intimate events. He suggests that the standardization of experiences and values may have far-reaching effects on individuals and the society's capacity to tolerate deviance from cultural norms. And that's very telling right there. He's telling you in a nutshell, this is what television's being used for. It's to create these cultural norms and common experience and standardization of experience for people. So this is what you're getting. So even though, you know, whatever shows or entertainment forms you watch are, you know, different, you have your preferences. If you like Star Wars, you like, you know, Marvel movies or, or whatever it is you watch. You're getting the same programming. It's standardization of experience, and that's what they're doing. They're programming people with the same experience. That's what they're looking for. It's all about uniformity across right. the board. That's, so that's that, right. That's, so even though it looks like something different, it's not. It's all the same stuff. There's only, <laughs> what, about maybe – it's arguable. There's anywhere from a dozen to maybe a couple of dozen different uh, different stories that people could tell, like storylines and stuff like that. Uh it's it's just a matter of it's a different spin on the same thing, and it's all used for programming. And they use the word program right in these documents, and that's a white paper from well, 1962. Look could, how far we've come from there. I can add something to that, Wayne. Imagine this. So imagine you wake up tomorrow and there's no television. Think of every person all the way across the United States after a few days of no television and television's not coming back. Pretty soon those people each do their own thing. So in the evening time, when they'd sit down in front of the television, they'd do something else. That's a lot of variety, and that's what programmers hate is variety. And the way you remove that variety is to expose everybody to the same program. But I can give a demonstration that proves what you just said is true, Wayne. I doubt if many of you are old enough to remember an old show called All in the Family. As a matter of fact, the opening to Family Guy is a takeoff on the opening to All in the Family. 
It was about a white guy who was a bigot, and it was it was hailed as the changing moment in television. Lord be praised. Before Archie Bunker, no one had made television that mattered. This changed everything. We could talk about all these social issues, and basically what it was was a white guy calling black people niggers, calling gay people whatever he wanted, and just being a bigot to everybody. That's what he did. Now look what just got Owen Benjamin kicked off YouTube. What Owen Benjamin was saying was such a lesser degree of what Archie Bunker did on national TV. And that <laughs> proves what Wayne just told you is true. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, guys. Uh, <laughs> I remember watching a program on the 70s not too long ago because I do like to check out things on the decades, as everyone knows from the multiple episodes we've done on that. Because, and here's why, I'll explain that actually. Crow and I have both come to the conclusion that they seem to be doing things pretty much by the decade. And when the decade switches, it's almost like there's a lever that gets pulled. And all of a sudden, it's cha-chink, onto the next program. The decade changes, therefore the programming changes. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Crow, but I, I, that's absolutely I do, I do. what we found over and over and over again. I think Devlin, Mark Devlin, hit it on the head. I think the change point is every seven years, but it's almost like there's this weird three-year changeover to get firmly into the new programming. Um, and we can show this. Like, if you look at punk rock, it's a good illustration of this because the music is no different. And think about this. Why the hell, if you go back to the 80s, you know, all the garish colors that people remember, why was that just the 80s? If it was so cool, why didn't it go into the 90s, you see? But I think Mark Devlin is absolutely onto something, and he illustrated it very well with the music. And I'm of a mind right now that the culture changes about every seven years with a two or three year change period that firmly does the transition and cements everything. Like, think about this. So we had disco, say, 76, 77, and right behind it came punk rock and new wave. And, you know, it was like a transition. And then we had a whole decade of hair, hair metal. Um, so there was like this weird transition that shows what I'm talking about. But I think Devlin nailed that one. You know, that the way you're saying that, that might be right. Uh, the one movie that stands out to me a lot with that is Wayne's World, which came out in 1992. But if you look at Wayne's World, it is a very interesting almost mishmash of 80s and what we associate as the 90s now. And... You know, some of them have long hair, some of them have short hair. They're they're doing like the the long haired and jeans and and kind of sh shreddy eighty stuff. But you definitely see the influx of that nineties thing, which really, yeah, I I, th I think maybe ninety two, ninety three is when it really kicked off because that's when you had Nirvana really kicking in big time and the grunge thing and all that. So maybe Mark's got it down seven years plus plus the changeover, yeah. It would fit perfectly because in in the usage of those people, the programming people, seven becomes the mind weapon. Um, and if you put two of them together, you have I.N. and Zion. That played so heavily into that fateful day when towers fell and imaginary planes did imaginary things. <laughs> um, and, and one of the planes, you know, we have the 77. We demonstrated that was the I.N. Zion. Um, the problem with it is this is part of the trap people get. That doesn't make every seven you ever see in the world a mind weapon. It just doesn't. As a matter of fact, there are ancient traditions that make seven holy something other. Um, even the biblical representations are holy something other. And so what it tells you, it's really about intent. And I try to offer that idea to people. If you can determine the intent 
of a place or a thing, it makes life a lot easier. Like, let's take the news. What's the intent of the news? <laughs> you know, once you understand that, you don't have to wrestle with what, what you're being told anymore. You know um, this intent is not good. So I'm just saying. I think Devlin nailed it. I think seven's the number, and I think there's a two or a three year transition. Yeah, no, I like I that. That's that's, uh, that's that might be might, might be it. By the way, if uh, you are a fan of Mark Devlin, and how can you not be? I'm quite honored to call him my friend. Next month, I am cutting two shows with him. I'm going on his show to break down the production that goes into a lot of the modern music because that's the one thing he doesn't know too much about and i've been into audio engineering for quite a few years now so he sent me a bunch of tracks to listen to and we're going to break those down then he's going to come on with me and we're going to do the social engineering of uh the james bond series which (laughs) if you've seen the trailer for the new one which i actually haven't seen the trailer yet but i know all the crap (laughs) they're going into it they've completely demasculated like like bye bye james bond no more james bond yeah snipping the balls the the queen's no longer parachuting into the olympics with him tubal cane (laughs) (laughs) yeah james bond is renewed is is over and done with and you know what this is daniel craig's last one i'm (laughs) horrified to think of what they're going to do next why? Yeah, the, Lord only like, knows. That's that's what kills me. Why are you horrified? You know what? They, if if you see a <laughs> warlock, you're pretty sure there's a spell coming, aren't you? <laughs> so <laughs> if you fall in love with the work of a warlock, I guess you might know in advance you're going to be disappointed. Well, and... we're going to be disappointed because sometimes it is nice to have a little mindless entertainment. I usually stick to comedy these days if I just need a a bit of not thinking about all the crazy crap and. Probably the one I like the most right now is Rick and Morty, and I only started watching Rick and Morty because of you, Crow Triple Seven. I thought it was just a stupid ripoff of Back to the Future until that was, you, <laughs> you kept bringing that, it up and referencing all the stuff. And I was like, "All right, fine, I'll watch some of it and just see." I was I was pointing it out to show what they were getting away with, but now it's big and famous, so you might as well just flush the toilet because that's where it's headed. Right? Yeah, it definitely took off in a huge way, and I don't know if that's an organic thing just happened to catch on or if they decided to push it, but either way, it's massive now. They were basically just telling you things out in the open, um, you know, in the earlier seasons, but now I guess it's the biggest thing going on that channel or something. But I'll tell you what, Jason, you're a damn movie maker. Um, You know, if you want to see some good entertainment, make it. I would love to do that. As a matter of fact, I have a a buddy, a, a guy that I'm, rather good friends with now named rip who lives down in new orleans and he he works on stuff he does special effects and cool stuff like that for uh movies and and tv shows and stuff and we've talked about doing something and uh, man i'd love it if we could actually find the time and the capability to actually make something together that would be amazing i think cymatics is important i hope at some point we get a chance to go at it that would be great and honestly i think if we did something on real medicine get Phoenix, get Dr. Lena, like all of that. I think that would be absolutely a home run right there. We're on the cusp, man. There's a real chance, you know, as I sat there with that VA doctor who was afraid to talk about CBD and finally admitted, yes, it is amazing. After I had said, did you get real Chinese medicine, you know, herbal medicine training? And she said, yes, I did get some. And I said, cannabis is an amazing medicine. And she looked at me and said, yes, it is, but we can't talk about it. Well, I mean, we we all know here that that's real medicine. Just, Plants are real medicine. Plants contain life essence, you know. My wife and I just got our new juicer today. 
Unfortunately, the only good juicers in the world are so damn expensive, but... Oh, 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 that's right. Why don't you take a moment and explain that, though, since they have that payment thing, uh, the one that you got. That's actually really awesome. That might actually be able to help get it into the hands of people who couldn't afford it outright before. Go, go ahead, Crow. Take right. a moment and explain Here's that. Here's the thing. We're, we're short on time, and I, I sent uh, an email to Owen Benjamin because a lot of his folks were interested in the juicing, as was he. In the old days, Norwalk juicers were really the only juicer approved by Gerson to give you the ability to juice a plant and get the life essence and all the nutrients. They cost about 2,500 bucks before tax. There is another juicer now approved by Gerson called the Pure Juicer, P-U-R-E Juicer. And the cool thing about this is they re-engineered it to deal with some issues of the old Nor Norwalk, which I know are true. Um, and they reduced the price by about 500 and they have a payment plan. So even though you're still into it for over, well over two grand, um, there's a payment method. And here's the thing. Um, these are the machines that were used to cure deadly cancers and other deadly diseases. Um, and it's not arguable. These were clinically proven. And if anyone doesn't believe me, go look up Gerson on Wikipedia, where they have the nuggets to tell you that it's dangerous for a cancer patient to drink carrot juice. Um, not kidding. <laughs> they do it. So if anyone um, can't afford, like most of my life, I can't afford one of those juicers. I had an $800 version, looked like it was made in World War II. That was the last one I had. Um, you can get payment plans from Pure Juicers. By the way, I've got a letter out to them. I want to try to sponsor these juicers on my website. They're expensive, but with payments, it could save someone's life. I'm just saying, if you were if you were fighting cancer, uh, would you be willing to, to spend that kind of money to try to save your own life? I think you would. As a matter of fact, the doctor will take that much money out of your pocket in a day. <laughs> right? Uh, you ever Less look up how much a, a single <laughs> dose of chemotherapy is? Good God, it's like $9,000 or something like that. I forget exactly. Wayne, you know, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's quite expensive. Uh, my mother had a bout of cancer a couple of years ago. And uh, her hospital bill and medical bills were out, just astronomical. You would not believe the amount of money that they, they shell from you. I mean, thank goodness she had uh, a decent insurance plan and stuff. But still, I mean, they, they soaked her for thousands of dollars on top of that, like in addition to what they got from the insurance companies. So it just goes to show you, I mean, all of these things do not come without expense. So it's, you know. If you have to spend uh, a couple thousand dollars out of pocket, you'll be spending that anyway, Here, even here's, with health insurance. Here's the thing, man. Before my father died, um, it was some years before he died, and we were out here, he knew of this place in Rhode Island. There's a lot of farms here, and they were growing apples, and they were pressing fresh cider, and were still getting away with serving not pasteurized juice in other words they were using an old-fashioned press so that juice that you were drinking had the life essence of those trees in it and when you drank it it was like oh my god and he was so happy to know where this was well that's all long gone now but if you go online and look up fruit press there's these little old-fashioned fruit presses where you screw it with your hand I'm telling everybody, go out and get some organic apples and press it that way and drink it and you tell me you tell me. Um, nature will show you the way. And the difference between what Gerson did and what the rest of us are stuck doing is we don't eat anything that has life essence anymore. The closest will come is yogurt. And that's, to me, that's 
nonsense anyhow. It's mostly sugar with a few live microbes. If you do Greek yogurt, then maybe. My point is the cheese is homogenized and pasteurized. Your milk is pasteurized. And what that means is they've killed it. That's what it means. Um, so when you do the Gerson method, you are taking the life essence out of a living thing with all its nutrients and ingesting it. And it's it works. Wayne, Lacey is asking if she may ask the outcome of your mother's Western cancer treatment. Uh, she's uh, been in remission now for the past several years, and she's doing well. Um, she does have side effects from the chemotherapy and stuff. No, no doubt. So, I mean, she's still... As she still, you know, has has different issues and stuff she deals with because of it. But thank God she's cancer free, and uh, and doing really well. So it it does the, these treatments that they do give they they do work in the short term, uh, but they do take a toll on your body in the process. And that that's the thing. I mean, chemo, uh, it, it does a number on your body, on your healthy cells. So uh, something like Gerson. Uh, had I known about it and been able to impart that to her before she found out uh, she had the cancer, you know, it might have made a huge difference. But uh, her case, she didn't even know she had it until uh, the one day she just wound up. She was so weak and tired, she could barely get out of bed. And she was going to call off at work and go back to bed. But instead of doing that, she decided, I better get to the emergency room. So she called my uncle to come pick her up and take her to the emergency room. And if she hadn't done so, she would have been dead by evening. Wow. So because she was ble she was bleeding internally because she had a, a type of colon cancer. And, you know, she had no idea because it's, it's asymptomatic. You don't have any symptoms or anything from it. So she had no idea she even had that going on until she was, like, literally bleeding to death and had no idea. So that's when they found the cancer and wound up doing emergency surgery and the whole nine yards. So cases like that. Yes, Western medicine is good and helpful uh, for emergency medicine. So that, that's one thing I, I could say about our medical system here, our Western medicine. It's good for emergency care. Um, as far as holistic care or preventative care, it leaves a lot to be desired. But for emergency care like that, uh, it does it does work to some degree or another. Yeah, save, but like I said, save your life. <laughs> it yeah, can. And I mean, this is what I always say too. Like you get in a car wreck. Yeah. You want Western medicine. You're, you're not going to be sniffing herbs, but it's, it's the long-term stuff where we know that they're, they're really just milking things to, to, to do well, it. Here's, here's the problem. In the same way, I just went to see a doctor who isn't even allowed to talk about the medicine she was taught to practice. That happened to me today. I saw someone just comment, my father was killed by a doctor. They gave him a drug that fried his kidneys. He had to go on dialysis. By the way, that's pretty serious. Gerson will tell you, don't bother trying the Gerson method if you've been put on dialysis. Once you've done that, it's a bridge too far. And they told my father, we, you know, nobody even really knows exactly how dialysis works. Um, but, it, it, you know, these, these are the problems. But, you know, same thing. I had to have a couple surgeries. The West is better at surgery than almost anyone. But the problem is... Well, we don't need to get into it. Yeah, there's upsides. If you got an infection, an antibiotic can save your life. Um, I don't think there's any argument there. But my point here is, is we know so much now. And if we juice and we use cannabis in certain ways, maybe you could live a life where you don't need to go into the doctor when you might have needed to otherwise. I'm just saying. Uh, Crow, so a question came in for you. 
uh, from Finish Strong. Hey Crow, you posit that space is most likely a liquid. Space has also been described as a glass dome. Are you aware that in police investigation, glass is viewed as a liquid with a very high viscosity? You know, it's funny you should mention that, Finish. Um, I have, I had heard that before, and I thought I saw tests even where they used sound to make glass ripple in a way that it looked like water without breaking it. Um, but I would point out that I think the idea that is most commonly accepted, some of it based on the work I did in the lunar wave, is that it's possible space is a liquid, but there's a firmament, a dome, or what I call a hard, fast barrier. So I don't, most of the time, I guess I don't think of it as people saying that the dome is space, but like a divide, almost, it's almost biblical, dividing the waters from the waters kind of idea, um, something like that. So when I think of it, but that's a, that's an apt comment. And yes, I am aware of this idea. I just hadn't thought of it in a really long time. So thanks for that comment. If anybody has any questions, we're down to about 10 minutes here. We'll be happy to take them. Wayne, what else do we want to hit on our original topic here? We kind of did what we usually do now and go all over the place, which is fine. I actually love the, uh, the live interaction with the, with the, uh, chat room. I think that's actually great. We had, I think we've had the, the most people we've seen so far, 145 concurrent viewers, which is, uh, that's very flattering. I'm very happy to, to see that. Uh, we usually only get like 20 to 30 in the chat room, uh, in, uh, on TFR. So this is great. Oh, 147. It's, it's changing as I speak. But anyway, uh, Rose had, probably posted. I posted right before we came on. Yeah, and of course, people can go back and watch the whole thing since it was the three of us for the whole two hours. Folks might want to hear what we were discussing earlier, and we tried to uh, to get into the whole propaganda and are we paranoid? And obviously, the answer is no. Of course, we're not paranoid. This this stuff has always been anything mainstream has always been used to manipulate in some way, shape, or form. And it's just been cranked up recently. But we also must recall that society itself is a lot more faster paced and people think in different ways now. And I, I kind of call it the YouTube generation and the fact that you want something new every 30 seconds. I'm bored with that. Let's click on the next video kind of thing. So what are they doing? They're making sure that there's enough in there that's bombarding your brain every God only knows, you know, who knows how much stuff they're, they're throwing at you so quickly. But uh, Wayne, we only have a few minutes left. What do you want to uh, put in here before we finish up? Well, just like what you were saying, and that's all done on purpose. This is to keep people's attention spans uh, really pretty much on par with a goldfish. <laughs> that's that's what a lot of these technologies and stuff are designed to do, and that's what the entertainment's designed to do. I mean, like you said, this is the YouTube generation, so uh, I could tell you from personal experience, getting my kids to sit down and watch like a two-hour movie or something is sometimes a chore. They just don't have the attention span. And, you know, we've seen more and more of this going on. It's it's all because of things like, uh, you know, our, our cell phones and YouTube uh, with its short little clips and, and things like TikTok and, and all of those different social media apps and Snapchat, things like that. People's attention spans are very short. So they take everything in in little snippets. And uh, that's also part and parcel of this going on because if they keep your attention span short, and they, they throw all this subliminal stuff and, you know, symbology and everything, you have less of a chance of picking up on it consciously that way because your attention span's been screwed with. So uh, this stuff is still hitting your, your subconscious and unconscious mind, but you have no conscious realization of it until all of a sudden you have the desire to eat popcorn later 
or whatever it is that they're doing, <laughs> like they did with that movie theater experiment. But uh, I, I assure you, they use it for things more so than just for, like, say, product advertising and marketing and stuff like that. It, it's there's a lot to it, and they're, they're using it to steer social agendas, and that's why people need to be aware this is going on. Uh, we've showed tonight. We've showed. Uh, quotes from experts in these fields. We've shown things from uh, policy papers and from uh, different studies um, on television and things like that. We've just pointed people in a couple of these directions. You could look this stuff up yourself and see. We're not paranoid. This stuff's going on. They know what they're doing. They're using this stuff uh, for agenda setting. And, you know, you could see that in no uncertain terms. And in fact, we covered uh, the agenda setting in regards to the 24-hour news cycle back on Crow Triple Seven episode 171. So if people want to check that out, too, that one kind of lays a foundation for you to understand what's going on when you turn the news on. This is what it's about. And we've showed policy papers and the same thing in that episode pointing in the same direction with this stuff. So people could feel free. Look this stuff up. I mean, it's not conjecture. It's not conspiracy theory. We're not paranoid. This stuff's really going on. It's really being used as a tool to control society and to steer society in certain directions. And anybody that has any doubts at this just has to look at the whole LGBTQ push going on right now. Because you know that's not a natural grassroots thing at this point when it's being shoved all over media the way that it is. Because this is a a, a people group that constitutes less than 3% of the American population. And if it's less than 3% of the population... Why is it front and center everywhere? And it's because of this, this agenda setting. And this is why they they put these things subtly in these uh, movie properties and and intellectual properties like they do to push these agendas. And they do it in subtle ways. So you may not necessarily see it all at once, but it's coming to a head now. And people are noticing, whoa, whoa, time out. Hold the phone. (laughs) Like my kids are, are, are seeing this stuff and they're confused and, you know. This is not a good thing. It's it's not going in a good direction. And even, even people within this LGBT community will say that. They don't like that how it's being pushed because it makes them all look like a bunch of, of freaks when it comes down to it. Because that's, that's the ones that they put front and center with this stuff all the time. And once again, this is another Hegelian design tool. Hegelian, Hegelian control dialectic. That, that's what this is. It's, it's to create division between the people it's to keep groups infighting with each other so that you know we're constantly bickering back and forth about nothing of real importance at all and they could go ahead and roll steamroll their social agenda that they're looking to push and they're just using this per this sector of society right now to do that and that's what's going on i mean you could see that that's the the main agenda we're pointing out right now because this all leads lock, stock, and barrel to transhumanism, and that's the direction it's going, and that's the agenda they're pushing when it comes to the end of the day with it all. Yeah, that's it. The transhumanism is is, is absolutely the thing. Uh, Let's get in these last couple bits here before we sign off. Snake Jones wants to know if we will consider having his friend and author of Blueprints of Mind Control and Technology of Belief as a guest. His name is James True. That name sounds very familiar, actually. Are either of you guys familiar with him? I've heard the name. I, I have heard the name. I think he's been on a couple of the other podcasts and shows uh, pretty recently. Crow, that sounds uh, like something we want to look familiar into. with his work, though. Yeah, we could look into it. Absolutely. So, uh, 
Resurrection Bear says, I am an amateur astronomer. I'm afraid my daughter won't be able to see the stars when she's older. What can we do to counteract the chemtrail since no one is coming to our rescue? Well, <laughs> it's a very wake good question. I, I don't even know how to answer that one. Yeah, wake people up. It's just that simple. Yeah. You see, the only, the only reason this can be done is because uh, it's being allowed. When it becomes unacceptable, then it will no longer be so easily to be done. Um, and here's... Do we have time for just one last thought, Jason? Oh, well, we're not under any constraints, so it ends okay, when I say so it Okay, so here's the thing. On the back of what Wayne was saying, and by the way, Wayne, I think it's supposed to be TTQQ, something like that. <laughs> isn't, that isn't that what Jason just taught us? Something but anyhow, like that. Here's a thought about what Wayne just said, and it, and it has to do directly with the chemtrails and other things that are going on. When I was young, when my wife was young, nobody took their car in to get the oil changed and the spark plugs done. No one did it. Everyone did it at home. You know why? Because they opened up the hood of their car and everyone understood, oh, those wires go to the spark plugs and there's the oil plug. As time went on, it got more complex, more convoluted, harder to understand what was going on under that engine. Here was the technology coming. Pretty soon, no one's tuning up their own car anymore. Partially because they don't know how to, but also because they simply don't have the tools to do it. They don't have the special machine you got to plug in and all these things. Well, this has led in a direction by design. One of the things it's done is bilked us all of money. Because now, if you want the good oil filter, you got to go to Hyundai. You don't go to the auto parts store because they can't get the good auto filter that Hyundai ships with the car. That's part hmm. of it. Same with the headlights. When I was a kid, if you broke a headlight... The headlight in my Camaro was also the headlight for 50 other cars, and it wasn't that expensive. If I break a headlight on the car I have now, it's three, $400 because it's a one-off. These are all engineered things, but here's the main point. Technology is a hell of a thing. At the underlying truth of technology is very few people understand how it's put together and how it works. And this reminded me of the Rick and Morty thing again. Have you seen these stupid little ads after Rick and Morty where you can download a little pocket Rick and Morty to have on your phone? Have you seen that? It has no intrinsic value other than it's an ego thing saying, I like Rick and Morty and I got this little animated Morty in my phone. Does anyone know what the piece of code driving that Morty is doing? Why would anyone take the time to put a piece of code that goes on a phone to entertain you for free? That costs money to build. Do you suppose maybe that little Morty icon is doing something you don't know about on your phone? Here's another one. No, nah, that Empires. would never happen. Forge <laughs> no. of Empires. What, what's, the, what's the abbreviation for Forge of Empires? Foe. Foe. That's free, man. Get your kids on. Download it onto your computer. Everyone wants Foe on their computer. This is what I'm pointing at. Pretty soon, we're all going to be addicted to systems that we have no idea how they operate, what they're doing, and that's going to be a problem of its own. Because even if 50% of everyone woke up and said, okay, we've had enough, we're all carrying the systems that we don't understand what they're doing in our pockets and everywhere else. And that gives power to somebody. So it's a lot of concerns to consider, but I would just point out, do you really need the damn Rick and Morty thing dancing on your phone when you have no clue what it actually does? Are you smart enough to download Foe onto your computer, or are you not smart enough because you're pretty sure it's just Forge of Empires? These are the things that I think are crucially important, and they back up exactly what Wayne said, except there's another level here. 
We're all being conditioned like lambs to use things that we couldn't possibly build or explain if we were paid a million dollars an hour. I'm going to take one last question here before we sign off from James Dayton. He says, it's all about our kids. And oh my goodness, is that true? How do we help our kids break these spells? How do we help them see the propaganda? Who wants to take that? I'll do. It's simple, man. Go back to a time that you're unfamiliar with when parents taught their children. It's called the 1950s. Go look at a 1950s schoolroom. When a child wants to talk, they would give the teacher the respect to stand up and wait till they're called on. It's a different world that most of us are not old enough to remember. But the difference is, is that the parents were teaching the children. When I was a kid, if I backmouthed an adult, I'd have got backhanded. I knew better. Now I turn on the TV and everything the kids are being taught is to disrespect the adults. Point is, is if you're a parent and you understand what's correct and what's not correct, you need to be teaching your child, not television, not the computer, not school, you, the parent. Oh, I can tell you from the, the standpoint of a parent, I, I have six kids. Uh, I tell them, don't believe everything they're telling you in school because 90% of it's wrong. So, uh, yeah, I, I do have children who question things, thankfully, especially my 10-year-old boy. He uh, did a, a school project last year uh, disproving the, bis- the Big Bang Theory, basically. So using you know scientific uh, reasoning and stuff like that, deductive reasoning with it all. He, he put together a project that showed that the Big Bang could not have happened as described. So Love it. Yeah, so I mean, you could definitely steer your kids in the right direction with this stuff. Make them question things. They're they're curious by their nature. They want to know stuff. And uh, when they realize, hey, you know what? This is what I got taught in school, but this doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it, it, it <clears throat> j- things just don't add up. So, I mean, encourage that. Encourage them to think for themselves. Really? That's what it's about because school is designed to indoctrinate. What you want your children to do is learn to think. And that's the key, because a child that could think will go a lot further than a child that's just indoctrinated and uh, taught to run the machines, but not question anything. And that's basically what they're in school for, is to be taught to run the machines and not question anything. And that's about it at this point. The bell so, rings and you know. get up and run. Yep. Uh, it's conditioning. It's operative conditioning. I met your linebacker of a son in NYC, and he was one of the <laughs> best politest individuals I met the whole time I was there. But I would add one more thing. Read. Get your children to read, not off of a a digital device, a real book. Get them to read the classics, old myths, whatever they're interested in. Get them to read. Um, I owe everything. My whole ability to think and question what's right and to have a vocabulary to my father. And what my father did when I dropped out of high school in ninth grade, I'm not kidding you, is he gave me books. The first book he ever gave me was the Concise Columbia World History. And I read it cover to cover. Um, There it is, man. All right. I'm about to sign off because we're over the two hours. And uh, the Fringe FM, of course, has to keep a schedule. And we want to stay on there with them. So thanks to everybody for showing up. Uh, Excuse me. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to our new show on The Fringe FM. And uh, I'm going to finish up uh, on this family thing. It's just be parents, man. Do things with your children. Go out with your sons and daughters. Take them to do things. It's, it's as simple as that. Be a family. If you have a family, be a family. Don't just ignore your children. 
I, I try to do as much as I can with my daughter and just get her to live life with me and me with her. We are interested in what each other does. She'll ask me questions even about what I do and all that, even though she probably doesn't give a hoot. She still gives a crap enough about me as an individual to know what I'm doing. So there it is, guys. Uh, Wayne, why don't you quickly give out your books and where to find them? And uh, I'll say, of course, that uh, Crow and I, every week, release every a new episode every Thursday on crow777radio.com. Yep, new episode coming tomorrow with Dave Marsh. C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com is our website. And, of course, we'll be doing this every week on Secrets of Saturn. Wayne, give out your info quick. All right, my books could be found at Amazon.com or at any other fine book retailer at this point. Uh, my most recent book is called The Autism Epidemic, Transhumanism's Dirty Little Secret. And uh, my first book I wrote is called The Alchemical Tech Revolution, Fulfilling Ancient Esoteric Agendas Through the Use of High Technology. Uh, check those out. I'd appreciate it. I'm currently working on my third book. Look for that coming 2020. That one is going to be called Cybernetic Messiah building the antichrist system so people could look forward to that one too all right everybody thank you so much for being here thank you so much for the super chats i was not expecting that and that's extremely appreciated thank you for all the people who showed up and for the engagement in the chat room and we will see you next week everybody take care